Salam Radio Show acknowledges that the land from which we're broadcasting is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. The colonial project is ongoing and continues to disenfranchise First Nation people. I recognize that sovereignty has never been ceded and like to pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Salam Radio. Salam everyone. Welcome to Salam Radio on 8:55 a.m. I am Jahan Khanlu, and we are welcomed by well, my co-host Marushti. Salam y'all. And of course, we are joined by a special guest, an old friend of mine, Elsa Twaits Rosenberg. Hey. Um, and this is another episode that we are uh, broadcasting specifically. Uh, because of the situation happening in Palestine. The uh, genocide. Yeah, well, yeah. the latest chapter in it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I was at the protest. I just wanted to say the protest was incredible this time. Mm-hmm. Every time I go, it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign that it will never die. Palestine will never die. And it, we will continue protesting until justice is served. Um, the smallest thing we ask for is a ceasefire. And it's crazy that it's been more than two weeks, three, so three. three. Four, more than four, three. Four, like yeah. a month, yeah. a yeah. month. Yeah. It's been um, a month. It was October the seventh. Uh, yeah, what started it? And it's so. November fifth. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a month, and there's no ceasefire. There's bombardment on hospitals, schools, mosques, um, medics, civilians, refugee camps, mm. and there's no way that Israel can deny that anymore. So it's very clear what Israel is doing. And until now, we're still asking for a ceasefire. Um, shame on our government mm. uh, for not standing up for justice and for the Palestinians. Their life matters. And yeah, hopefully to see you next Sunday as well at the protest. Your presence really matter because every number matter. Um, and bring a friend as, as well because it will keep increasing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to. No, it's good to know. A, yeah. Um, it's nice to talk about the protests after. Mm. It's I just heard there was like 100,000 people today. Yeah, yeah, I think 80 to 100. But Huge. I feel like it was 100, but it's, it's unfortunate that, like, you know, the mainstream media is not announcing real numbers mm. hiding it from public how big it is but everyone can see that it was really big and also like the amount of people the different type of people that attend the protest is crazy like mm. people from all over the world there's flags from bosnia from like uh, uh the philippines from West Papua, like it's it's incredible how universal this cause is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, th- I w- yeah, I want to thank you, Elsa, for being here. Really looking forward to this show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, so um, I've known Elsa for a while. You're a educator, mm-hmm. anti-racist educator. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want me to introduce myself? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're better at it than me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name's Elsa Tewart Rosenberg. My pronouns are she and they. 
Uh, I am, yeah, one of the co-founders and directors of Hue, Colour the Conversation. So we're an anti-racism education organisation that is led and run entirely by people of colour or racialised people. Um, But I am also a Jewish, Ashkenazi Jewish anti-Zionist person uh, from an anti-Zionist and a non-Zionist lineage. I'm also a Chinese person of colour. Uh, and yeah, I know. I noted that you um, described me as an activist on your uh, Instagram post, which is probably not how I would describe myself. But oh, I'm my flattered. Apologies. No, okay. no, no. I'm flattered. Um, but I think I am mindful that um, sometimes descriptions of activists kind of separate uh, just people and our, mm. you know, oh. uh, inherent sense of justice and desire to align the world with, you know, just values being, um, you know, put under this category of activists that then separates us from other people or um, mm. invisibilizes the power and responsibility that every person has. So I'm just really mindful of that, that I'm just like a person who for a range of reasons mm-hmm. uh, cares and um, has taken action because of that. I guess like maybe the reason I use the term, it was... Um because I met you through doing Palestine um, activism true, <laughs> um, yeah. action through um, back in 2021. Mm. And for me, it was really interesting because you were definitely the first person that I saw in Australia, kind of just because we have similar friends and stuff like the really prominent like Jewish anti-Zionist on voice. Mm. Like, of course, it's been around since before the state of Israel, mm. but. Um, for me, it was, like, a really huge revelation, like, meeting you and, like, um, seeing that. Uh, so I guess I've always, like, ha- imagined you as the, like, the activist within the Jewish community. Oh, like, my the, God, the- cute. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah, there are definitely uh, many other people in the Jewish community who have been involved in uh, Palestinian solidarity organizing for mm-hmm. a long time, Um longer than me probably longer than I've been alive to be honest but I think yeah exactly but also being a person of color I think um probably is part of the reason why we crossed paths in the ways that we Mm. did because I think being a Jewish person an anti-Zionist person and also a person of color um definitely have a very specific positionality and kind of place in the middle of a a range of communities there so yeah yeah it's it's really interesting that um the anti-Zionism within the Jewish community because it did, as you said, Jahan, it did start before Israel was formed. Um, a lot of uh, Jewish around the world opposed for Israel to be formed in Palestine mm. because they wanted that land to stay sacred mm. and they didn't want war to happen in this land. Mm. Um, do you, yeah, as a Jewish person, mm. um, can you tell us a little bit about the Jewish community here and do you come, like, does the anti-Zionist Jewish community come, like, uh, also mix with the Zionist Jewish community and how's that dynamic, here, mm. if you know any mm-hmm. about anything about it? Yeah, I mean, even the words anti-Zionist Jewish com- community, you know, I think stands out to me because I, I don't think we have much of a community Mm. I think we are building that community very actively and very intentionally but uh, those of us who end up as part of the anti-Zionist community are generally kind of exiled from all other parts of the Jewish community and then have to kind of find each other through various 
uh, means mm. uh, rather than us being like a really established um, kind of portion of the community. A lot of anti-Zionist Jews are still not out as, mm. as closeted. They're literally <laughs> in the closet. Like there are friends of mine who are yeah. turning up to actions in like full disguises, like oh. totally disguised, avoiding all cameras, not telling anyone that they're there, like – um, yeah, there are lots of people find it easy to come out as trans in the Jewish community <laughs> than they do to come out as anti-Zionist. Um, so I would say that, and, and you know, this isn't just within my kind of age group or demographic. This is like a generational thing. Like mm. my buba only, so my grandmother, it's a Yiddish word for grandmother, mm. who would have probably described herself, she, she's not alive anymore, but as non-Zionist mm -hmm. uh, because, because she was opposed to Zionism before... Um, the establishment of Israel and because Zionist Zionist Jews were just one group and one ideology of Jewishness, but there are so many. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't she wouldn't have described herself specifically as anti this one particular ideology in the Jewish community. It's just mm -hmm. like not ascribing to that. Um, but yeah, shortly in the year before her death, she actually said to me, she was like, Oh, I'm not I'm not talking to my friends about politics anymore. And I, you know, my, my bubba was a very political person and I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, isn't everything political? Like, isn't the personal political? <laughs> and she was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not really talking to my friends about Israel anymore. Mm. Um, so, you know, she, anti-Zionist Jews, I think they're, they do still exist somewhat in Zionist community spaces, um, but it's like always arguments over the Shabbat table, dinner table, or, you know, it causes an issue. It causes broigus in the community, which broigus is like grudges and longstanding feuds and ruptures. Mm. Like it's a really big uh, conflict. And for me as a person of colour as well, I found it like pretty much impossible to assimilate into the Zionist portions of the Jewish mm. community because they're deeply racist for yeah. the most part, you know. Um, mm. And so even aside from, you know, my solidarity with Palestinian people and even before I really recognised or fully understood that solidarity, uh, I could feel the racism that existed in the Zionist community and that was something that alienated me a lot. I would love to know more about how you came out as anti <laughs> I mean, your coming out story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the I, to be honest, like, I mean, I don't really have a queer coming out story, and I don't super have an anti-Zionist one either. Mm. In that, my family were both very supportive of me as a queer person and as mm. an anti-Zionist oh, person. That's really yeah. yeah, I'm very, very lucky um, that I, you know, share those beliefs for the most part with my immediate uh, family. Mm. Um, but I think for me it was more that uh, even in my family as anti-Zionist there was still this flavour of like shying away from the conversation or from uh, acknowledging our responsibility or the importance of speaking out as a Jewish person. I think partly because there is some resentment among anti-Zionist Jews about Zionism's existence in general and the way that it monopolizes our experience as mm. Jews. Um, and so I understand that from that perspective, a lot of anti-Zionist Jews just try to push Israel away or, you know, try to dis disconnect themselves or disassociate themselves from it. Um, but 
I think what I kind of grew into was the understanding that it's actually really pivotal that I understand and mm-hmm. learn about what is happening and use my voice because unfortunately Jewish voices are given so much power in this conversation in a way that Palestinian voices are not. So I think rather than coming out, it was more doing deeper learning and positioning myself in a way where I had the capacity and platform to to speak out yeah i mean it was interesting i was looking um sorry um recently i was looking at like a video clip of david badil um i don't know who that is he's like this english comedian a jewish english comedian Mm. and he was interviewing miriam margoyles if you know her she's a she's another um australian Australian English Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, she's famously Professor Sprout in Harry Potter. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, she has a few other yep. acting roles, but um, so she's like a firmly anti-Zionist Jew, mm-hmm. um, kind of like old lesbian grandma anti-Zionist Jew. Pop off. Um, yeah, how I imagine you maybe in sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and David Badil on the other hand he writes a lot about anti um anti-jewish sentiments like kind of the mm. old school european wong but he always like mysteriously separates himself from israel like mm. he says oh yeah i don't like israel means nothing to me i'm an english person a british mm. person a british jew and i mm. experience like anti-jewish sentiment in england but israel is just foreign to me mm. but Miriam Margoyles, she's in the same boat, like mm. with her identity, but the same. But she says no. It's because you have this. Um, sadly, this state, this entity, has succeeded in making the lines between Jewish and Zionist blurred. Yeah, and also because we we legally have the right to colonize. Mm. Like yeah. that's the other thing <laughs> for me is that like I could literally go and can be actively involved in the colonization mm. of Palestine just by virtue of being Jewish. I have yeah. the right to move there. I have the right to citizenship. Free uh, airplane ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And Maybe. so that to me is reason enough, you know, because mm. I also I've heard from the Jewish community of like, well, you know, if you're not speaking out against, you know, the colonization of the US, then why are we, spe- you, you know, or Turtle Island, why are we speaking specifically about Israel-Palestine, whereas, I mean, not to say I don't speak mm-hmm. about colonization, that happens in other places too, but I also think that the literal material capacity to colonize as a Jewish person lends itself to that responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe we can have a bit of a break, we can play uh, a song. Sure. Um, Elsa, you sent me a few songs. Yeah, I haven't um, listened to all of them, though. I got some <laughs> recommendations from others. So. Oh, beautiful. Well, um, I, I played this, and this was kind of really relevant. It came out two days ago, uh, Work Rate by Gaza yes. 2. Well, I don't know if it's Gaza 2 is the artist, but anyway. Um, it was amazing. It has like It's like very English rapper yeah. um, showing footage of the London protests. So, um, yeah, anyway, I thought we can play that while we have a bit of a break. Love it. So this is Work Rate by Gaza 2. Thank you. 
Palestine, rest in peace to the woman and children in paradise. Palestine, they cut off the water or food, but we never see spirit like Palestine. Thousands under the rubber stool trying to find Madeline. Palestine, God promised the land so we know one day all free Palestine. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. Real eyes, real eyes, real eyes, news flash, nobody's buying your alibis. Biden, CC, Sunak, who's that? Pray to the Lord, cause we know who come through act. 1940s, he ran from the Holocaust, only Palestinians came through act. Now it's ethnic cleansing, genocide, genocide, told me, how could you do that? If you want peace, then end the apartheid, Muslims don't hate Jews act. This news ain't new, don't check the news, you'll finally find the truth act. Millions homeless, bombs exploding, media keeps on telling This war didn't start this year, that's lies, it's been going on for seven five. Dystopia, I'm speechless, how could you let this happen? Them kids that's dying, colourless, lifeless, could be your kids, it's a matting. Father's crying, he lost his wife and kids, got a bomb just crashed in. Two million suffering, cramped in, wondering if we see what's happening. Palestine, rest in peace to the women and children in paradise. Palestine, they cut off the water or food, but we never see spirit like. Palestine, thousands under the rubber stool trying to find Madeline. Palestine, God promised the land so we know one day all free Palestine. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. How could I rap on this beat with heart when little bro stuck in the darkest house? How could I eat when in full of steam for the sun to eat the mumsy stuffs? How could I sleep on a bed so clean when they ain't got yards cause they tore it apart? How could I drink water so clean they drink sea water? Turn shot of that. Questions, 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 questions. Tell me who's gonna answer them? It's inhumane, but my people's strongest, deeper than land or politics. Questions, 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 questions. Tell me who's gonna answer them? It's inhumane, but my people's strongest, deeper than land or politics. Politics, stomach it, hospitals bombing it. Organs talk or the bombs keep dropping. The promises coming, you better acknowledge it. Palestine's ours, or we'll never be done with it. Everyone's struggling, shouting, huddling. No food, kid gets sick, can't vomit. It causes prominent, will be dominant. Palestine's ours, or we'll never be done with it. Palestine, rest in peace to the women and children in paradise. Palestine, they cut off the water or food, but we never see spirit like. Palestine, thousands under the rubber stool trying to find Madeline. Palestine, God promised the land so we know one day all free Palestine. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. Terrorists, terrorists, terrorists told me who's getting terrorized. Anyone saying it's justified, what a lie, little kids dying and petrified. And that was work rate. Oh, sorry, Gaza too by uh, work rate. London Palestinian rapper, I guess. Yeah, it feels um, like um, a lot of people are speaking out in London. Mm. Um, the protest um, uh, last week was five hundred thousand yeah. people on the street. We have NTS radio um, posting. Um, about the genocide um, and doing programs. Um, yeah, it's re- it's really good to see that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really interesting how, I don't know, like sometimes, it's really interesting how, this is my little <laughs> um, urban like design nerd moment, but like <laughs> Melbourne as a city is actually designed to um, work against protests. <gasps> wow. So it's one reason why Melbourne doesn't actually have like a kind of Trafalgar Square or mm. something like in London. Or, or, um, 
Well, yeah, we don't have many community spaces yeah. together in general, which yeah. I guess is part of quelling political dissent. Yeah, I mean, it was literally designed like... That's so um, interesting. Federation Square was built way <laughs> after and it's very small. The, the space between the State Library and Melbourne Central is pitiful. I, I was going <laughs> to say, like... um. Yeah, the space is not an, it's becoming not enough. So mm. last weekend, uh, people were barely getting through the tram tracks um, and shouting at us, like, move out of the way. But this time, they it was full packed up to Melbourne Central. There was no space for anyone to come in or come wow. out for the tram stop. So yeah. the state library space itself is not enough for this protest. And I think it will become an issue at some point. Yeah, but, um, yeah, which is good, I hope. Yeah, I hope it's an issue. Yeah, I hope it's well, an like it would be amazing if um, I guess it's a specific issue that we have in Melbourne Norm, where the city design is an obstacle in of itself. Mm. Whereas in London or Paris or something like that, even though in Paris the the marches were completely illegal. Um, Crazy. But uh, they managed to gather in one central space and mm. show their numbers. Mm. So. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. But anyway, that's mm. why <laughs> I love urban design stuff. So, yeah. um, but well, for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, this is Solemn Radio on eight fifty-five AM, and we are joined by Elsa Twet Rosenberg. Hey, well pronounced. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that'll <learning>. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is a Jewish anti-Zionist? Uh, activist, actor, <laughs> instigator, just like person, As person, right. yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. insert your term here. <laughs> I think we're all activists right now, yeah. Mm. In terms of like the government is lying to mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. and we're trying to, you know, expose what's happening in Palestine through going to protest, speaking out educating mm-hmm. doing activist stuff yeah whatever we can and there's really no yeah. person that is not implicated or mm. is not impacted by mm. politicians lying to yeah. us and media propaganda and you know western imperialism and mm. capitalism which are the root causes of and you know are upholding the Israeli regime and the genocide Mm. so there's really no one that this doesn't impact and that shouldn't be you know taking the moral imperative to take action and to Mm. to speak up yeah well like I remember having like um I don't know if it was a discussion or hearing um you online but you're calling how Zionism has actually has impacted Jews in incredibly negative ways where Mm. there's increased racism towards uh, Jewish people mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of separated Jews in a, in a way that didn't exist before. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm really mindful to be talking about the ways that Zionism has harmed Jews because mm. yeah, it course. has obviously disproportionately harmed Palestinians. Mm. Uh, but I also think, y- you know, any oppressors in oppressed systems need to also reckon with the ways that upholding a system of oppression is inherently violent to oneself as Mm, well. mm. Um, And I definitely see Zionism that way. I mean, I think on a very base level, I... I cannot relate at all to the ways that people, uh, Zionists, see, or Jewish Zionists specifically, because I think it's important to say that Christian Zionists don't think that 
Israel is like a safe place for Jews. That is not why they care about upholding the Israeli regime or Zionism. They don't care about the well-being of Jews. They Mm. never have. The Christian Zionists actually chose Palestine as a place for um, the formation of Israel. Like it's one of the biggest movements that called for that for religious reasons. Yeah, totally. Something about like the Jewish people need to be there for the rapture to come. So there's really, and that generally lines up with Jews in that region dying Ooh. like that's yeah. that's a part of it so yeah it's Which really inherently anti-semitic totally yeah, yeah. totally um so you know that to say christian zionists who you know there are more christian zionists than there are jews in the world wow. so christian zionism is like a huge supporting power of mm. uh the israeli regime um but you know if we were to think about the jewish zionist perspective that it is somehow a safe haven you know it's a it's a military base we're a militarized population like i personally don't see my safety in my children's forced conscription into upholding a genocidal regime like that's not safety to me Uh, and they go to prison if they didn't didn't want to go totally yeah or you get your citizenship stripped or you know deported um i know people that have had have you seen this Taylor? There's, there's a there's a Twitter account called Taylor Swift Updates, and <laughs> she she said something like, um, "Oh, sorry, I'm in prison right now, um, so no Taylor Swift updates right now." And then someone asked her why, and she said, "Oh, I refuse to join the IDF." Oh law. my god, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I <was> <laughs> Yeah. I haven't seen that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, the unsung hero. <laughs> <laughs> Fully, yeah. T Swizzle, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I it just doesn't resonate with me, this idea that Zionism keeps us safe. And, you know, something that my Zeta always said is that it's community that keeps us safe, not mm. borders. Mm. Uh, and I think that, you know, when we think about the purpose of borders and how they're upheld and how they are forged, we can see that there isn't safety that comes from that. But, you know, I recognise that a lot of Zionists in the Jewish community see... Uh, the tools of the oppressor and becoming a colonizer as a safe option mm. uh, when they have been the victims of so much of that imperialist uh, and military uh, and racist violence. You know, I understand why there is this kind of pathway where people go, well, maybe if we can just do that same thing, mm. then we will be safe. Um, but I, of course, don't believe that to be true. And I think yeah. every time we choose the interests of those in power and uh, abandon those who are more marginalised than us, we work against our our own interests because, mm. you know, it's not like... I, I don't believe that Jewish people are protected um, in this context either. I think that leaders talk about anti-Semitism because it helps to support their political stance. But I don't think that they care about Jewish people. And if you, you know, are complicit in the genocide of the global south and people of colour everywhere, mm. Jewish Jewish people are next in line in that. You know, it's I don't believe that aligning ourselves with those powers keeps us safe. Yeah, well, I, I believe it's, well, you know, having Israel in the Middle East is a... Uh, is a, a focal point for America or Western, the Western world to have control over that region. Yeah. But, yeah, you, 
yeah, it's um, it's a lot more than than that as well. Um, well I mean, the original one was yeah, um, uh, and. I guess like Christian Zionists, but secular Christian Zionists. Um, a lot of them just wanted to get rid of the Jews <laughs> within mm. Europe. It was like yeah. it was like a soft. That's exodus. what Christian Zionism um. was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's also like a reason to to continue having wars uh, outside of America, which is terrifying. So you are using the Jewish mm-hmm. power within the Middle East, Israeli power. Not to, yeah, to to control the Middle East and to have have them wage a war. Yeah, I also feel like there's a bit of that dynamic happening. But also, whilst Netanyahu mm. does not think that he thinks he's in control and will never listen to the outside, um, the the UN and um, America. Um, so yeah, it's well, it's really and weird. happy to use his people as human shields and <laughs> human weapons, and there and, and there is a history in colonialism broadly of leaders using more marginalized communities to do their. Mm violence to do their Mm. dirty work and I mean I even think about when we think about the colonization of this land and you know Mm. the the convicts that Mm. were sent to Australia so like criminalized incarcerated people people, uh, and we see the same thing where you know working class um, marginalized Jewish people are coerced and um, in- encouraged, recruited into the Israeli regime to settle, to, to settle, sorry, in um, new settlements that, mm. that displace the Palestinians who are there. And part of the reason that is so successful is because the people that they're recruiting are so desperate from their various conditions um, that they, you know, can actually coerce those people into these positions. So mm. it's, it's yeah, it's pretty violent on all fronts. And then there's also that, you know, Israel, the the spoken language being Hebrew and the discouragement of the, you know, many languages that, various ethnicities of Jewish yeah. people yeah. have. Um, and, and you know, they've been very active in operations that have taken place across the Swana region as well that have yeah. deliberately scared Jews from their countries of origin. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, created. that's the main argument. They're like, oh, Jewish weren't safe in the Arab world. But no, they've lived there forever. Yeah. And Baghdad was a quarter Jewish. Yeah, there were operations made by Israel to scare the Jews and go to, like, kind of force them to go to Israel. Yeah. And that's this classic thing as well with this, like, you know, when the Israeli regime accelerates their violence or, Mm. you know, the violence amplifies and then as a result, because they are tying Judaism and Zionism together, they're is an inflation of anti-Semitism and that actually Mm. reinforces to uh, Zionist Jews that it is necessary for Israel to exist. So it's this gross cycle cycle of of violence. Yeah, that has always been the story of Israel. Like there's not a point in history where Israel didn't use violence to Mm. coerce others, to displace Palestinians. Mm Even after the Oslo Agreement, two days after the Oslo Agreement, which is supposed to be like a peacemaking process, Israelis started building settlement. Two days in uh, building like a huge uh, residential complex 
in with the West Bank. And the Oslo Agreement did not help in any way to make the process better because they started, um, they actually legalized the settlement, made like zones A, B, C in the West Bank. The siege on like the wall, they built the wall after. Any time you build a wall anywhere in the in the world is is not a process towards peace. No. Like you can tell, you're building a wall, <laughs> that's not a process towards peace. If Trump said it, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, um, like I guess it's one thing that kind of unites Israel and Australia where both celebrate their national days, like their first days of independence. Or, yeah, their, their national days. <laughs> Which is a joke. Both yeah. as invasion days. Um, uh, because the Nakba was literally Israel's number one day of existing officially as a country. Um, and Australia celebrates um, their day on, on the 26th. So, mm. yeah, it's two invasion days. Uh, it's, it's very interesting how these two countries <laughs> um, yeah, both identify with that day. It explains why our po- politicians as well are not saying anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's even more sad to see see this happening after the voice mm. as well, you know, that kind of like expose Australia for what it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. The, well, the no vote winning, but yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess we all know mm. the history of this country. Yeah. Well, how about we have a bit of a music break? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've been digging through and, and like messaging some of my, like my cross-punk friends and um, anti-Zionist Cruise and they turned me on to this band called Neche Natsa, which mm. means blasphemy crippled in I think Yiddish or Hebrew. Okay, and um, they're they're kind of like the number one anti Zionist, well, like the first kind of publicly anti Zionist uh cross punk band in in Israel. Um, the, of course, because it's cross punk, all their songs are very small, but even with the titles, you can. Um, guillotine to the Israeli oligarchy. <laughs> um, Sexy. <laughs> um, entire genocide. Assimilation now. Sell the settlers to slavery. <laughs> oh, wow. You, um, wow. you know what this band is about. I need to listen to this album. Yeah, um, yeah they only have, um, so they have one album on Bandcamp from, well, like it's a, it's a collection of recordings from Nowhere into Nothing. And the album covers like a gun with a, the um, oh, I don't know, the, the the Jewish um, I don't know how to say it. Like a menorah. Yeah, yeah, a menorah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> so how about let's start guillotine to Israeli oligarchy. We can play a few let's tracks from it. from these guys. So this is Neche Natsa. Yeah. 
And that was a collection of songs from Neche Natsa, an anti-Zionist uh, Jewish band, um, and born in so-called Israel. But <laughs> um, some of those song titles included um, uh, "Selling Heroin to Bnei Akiva," the main Zionist youth organization, um, "Reconciliation uh, with Hamas," oh "Guillotine to the Israeli Oligarchy." <laughs> And rather be a punk than a dirty settler. <laughs> and of course, it's it's tongue in cheek. It's 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 um, cross punk, but yeah, I think it's it's good to hear that kind of, mm. um, yeah, Jewish uh, anti-Zionist action because uh, it's so important. <laughs> like, mm. um, and of course, we are joined by prominent anti <laughs> prominence. Yeah, I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> anti-zionist um jewish person elsa twet rosenberg nice thank you <laughs> and today's show we've been talking kind of about elements of um well like i guess what it means to be anti-zionist as a jewish person um mm. what it means in the community and yeah and i guess like one thing i wanted to kind of touch upon is um because i guess unfortunately uh amongst kind of um the i'd say like the muslim community um there is a ten yeah there's a there's definitely a pattern of anti-zionism turning into anti-jewish sentiments mm -hmm. um and i mean i see this like in iran actually where where it's a very anti-zionist government but it's starting to like um yeah um and i get we saw this in dagestan in, in russia the um it's a like a Muslim republic within Russia where the march it was really cool when I first heard about it mm -hmm. um but then you know they had like um they had like guillotines and, and loopholes and stuff like that mm -hmm. like going around synagogues I, I do have to say it's definitely exaggerated and like having grown up in Lebanon myself mm. like um yeah like there were Christian people, Jewish people, and there wasn't any, I didn't know about anti-Semitism until I, you know, came here, the word anti-Semitism. And um, yeah, I think it's exaggerated and weaponized to uh, fight against, uh, I mean, to continue the genocide against Palestinian and to, you know, um, uh, yeah, keep Israel doing what it's doing. Mm. And, you know, every protest that's happened in Melbourne, we've always had a Jewish speaker. Mm. Um, we are all coming to the conclusion that we're all human. We all have the right to practice whatever religion we want. But we are all against one thing, which is oppression and genocide of any kind of race. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Palestinian people have also done an amazing, tireless job of separating the Free Palestine movement from anti-Semitism. Mm. And, mm. you know, at the protests, as you said, there's always a Jewish speaker. They're always condemning anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, you know, they're always having to qualify uh, their demands for justice and liberation with I'm not anti-Semitic. Mm. And, you know, it's not to say that anti-Semitism doesn't exist, as you were saying, Jahan, mm. and, like, I think... Uh, I, I think that robust conversations about what anti-Semitism is, mm. 
is really important. Um, I don't think it should be the main point of discussion in a moment where, you know, people in Gaza are experiencing a genocide. Um, but I do think that more robust conversations about what anti-Semitism actually is mm. uh, generally in our culture and society would be a good one, yeah. not just it happened in the Holocaust, mm. oh, yeah. um, but actually understanding what anti-Semitism is because I think that people don't have a great understanding, mm. to be honest. Um, but I also think it's important to contextualise that anti-Semitism in the same way that we contextualise racism rather than just xenophobia, which is the presence mm. of power, mm-hmm. and recognising that anti-Semitism in the form of racism uh, doesn't actually come from Palestinians saying something not nice about oh, Jewish people. Time, yeah. It comes from structures mm. and institutions of power that uh, that weaponize Jewish people in various ways, which we are seeing happen Mm. now. Mm. Um, But are we holding our leaders to account for the ways that they are, as we mentioned earlier, using Jewish people as human shields, disguising the capitalist and Western imperialism that is, you know, using the Israeli regime and and the Jewish people? Um, Are we talking about the ways that... large amounts of money are funneled into the Zionist movement and the Zionist portion of the Jewish population um, and that that funding doesn't get given to other Jewish communities, uh, but that then it portrays all Jewish people as rich and powerful, which feeds into these Mm. anti-Semitic tropes and stereotypes. Like, I think when we're holding people accountable for anti-Semitism, we need to be holding to account the people in power because that's how systems of oppression actually work. Yeah, Mm. I mean, one of my, one of the most interesting moments uh, recently was, uh, I think his name is Yair Netanyahu, so Mm -hmm. Netanyahu's son, who is insane, like... And he actually teamed up with the uh, IFD, Alternative for Deutschland, which is like the main far right wing group in Germany. Mm-hmm. So literally the successors of um, yeah. of the Nazis. He actually appeared in a bunch of their pamphlets um, in the kind of in the peak of uh, the refugee crisis, like in 2015, 16, mm-hmm. saying, and he literally said, Chris, um, a, a, Germ- a Christian Germany for Christians, something like that. True. And this is this is the son of, <laughs> of even Netanyahu himself. He's been oh, you know, yeah. meeting with big anti-Semite figures in America, like John Hagee and oh, big time, and so and so. And like we're seeing, I don't know if you've seen this too, but I've I've been seeing a lot of videos within Israel, um, Jewish people protesting against their government and being um uh, um you know, forcefully, like they've been beaten by IDF soldier mm-hmm. and um, violently, some of them been arrested who are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Like, um, do you know much about about this? Um, I know a little bit. I can't tell if I know much because mm-hmm. compa- depending on who else you ask, they probably know more or less. But uh, I'm definitely aware of, you know, there's been a growing uh, resistance in, you know, Occupy Palestine against the really right-wing government um, and, you know, them being fascist and non-democratic. I take those protests with a grain of salt. I'm sure that there are plenty of people that do see the connection between a fascist government and the 
apartheid regime mm. that is Israel. Mm. Um, but, you know, I also know a big community of people that want democracy only for Israelis mm. or only mm. for Jewish Israelis, and that is um, obviously problematic as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've also heard from uh, the families of the like Israeli hostages, for example, mm. that they they want the release of hostages, but that Israel has refused mm. um, to do the exchange of hostages because I want to recognise that Israel has thousands of Palestinian hostages and has for many years and many of them are children and that they are imprisoned without charge um, mm. and that, you know, many people say that the purpose of uh, the hostages being taken from Israel was to organise an exchange and that has mm. been asked for and has been denied by Israel. Uh, and there are lots of people, including the families of those hostages, who are speaking out saying this is not what either my, you know, family member died for um, or, you know, that they understand the ways that the Israeli regime are complicit in the harm of those mm. hostages as well. Yeah, it's really, really telling of what kind of system... It is yeah. in Israel. I saw an open letter as well, actually, that yeah. was from uh, Israelis demanding uh, transparency from the government because of also the reports that it was the IDF or IOF forces that actually killed many of the hostages and people on the kibbutz mm. and, you know, they're carpet bombing Gaza where the hostages are so there's yeah i mean they're very very complicit in in that violence yeah. and i think that there are many uh people in israel who are aware of that and who are on the ground you know they have a different kind of uh experience and knowledge of the regime because they're actually there and mm. some of them see it yeah yeah it's crazy is there a community within australia um of kind of people of I don't know, like like people who have lived in Israel, or even visited Israel, um, and, and as Jewish people, mm. and have kind of um, become anti-Zionist as well, a reaction to seeing Israel in its yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think that people make different paths to mm. anti-Zionism, but um, I've definitely even a friend of mine went on, you know, their their gap year schnat, their mm. one year to Israel, and while they were there, they went. Uh, there's an organization called Breaking the Silence, mm -hmm. which uh, you know are mixed mixed reviews of yeah. their org, but they are ex IOF or IDF soldiers uh, who talk about the atrocities that they themselves have committed or yeah. witnessed uh, in their time serving. And they run tours of, uh, you know, Jewish tourists, I guess, to show them what happens in occupied Palestine oh. and oh, okay. what happens in uh, the West Bank. And they, yeah, they take people on tours and they talk about those realities. And mm. I think that they, you know, as much as there are very valid criticisms of them, I think that they are a useful gateway for many mm. Jewish people towards <laughs> anti-Zionism. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that that happens. I also know people who have left left the colony because mm. of the apartheid state and the, you know, general mm. violence against Palestinians. So, yeah, it really depends what pockets of the community you're in, what your experiences are, who you are as a person, you know. Yeah. So it's even in our own communities we mm. see that, 
there are people in our communities who are more susceptible to propaganda, to being recruited into these kinds of regimes and to not question them, and then some of us who, for various reasons, end up on another path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's really interesting because, I, you know, I, I grew up watching um, this footage that we're seeing on Instagram. I grew up watching mm. it once since I was a kid. I mm. just the horrible atrocity that Israel has done. But I don't know what the Jewish people, the Jewish community here are seeing. I don't know what kind of propaganda, brainwashing, um, community pressure that they face. And I wonder how can they come out of it? Like what's, yeah. Red pilling. And that is worth naming because the indoctrination starts really young. Like, Mm. you know, for me, because I came from an anti-Zionist family, they were already, you know, mindful about whether or not to actually send me to a Jewish youth group or Mm. to a Jewish school or anything like that because of the amount of propaganda that exists in all those spaces that's taught to children from a very young age. Mm. Um, You know, when I think about the indoctrination I have experienced here on this land, you know, when I was a kid, I was taught the the myth of terra nullius. You know, I was taught that there were, in a public school, you know, I was taught that there were no people on this land um, before, you know, the Australian settlers or First Fleet arrived Mm. or Captain Cook discovered Australia, in inverted commas. And that same lie is taught to children by Zionists, this Mm. idea that, uh, you know, the phrase is uh, a a land with no people for a people with no land. Mm. And that's taught to children very young. Um, We're taught that the, you know, the pinnacle of kind of leadership that you can show in your community is to go to Occupy Palestine, mm-hmm. spend a year there, settle there, and then encourage other people to settle there too. Mm-hmm. And that's deeply interwoven with your idea of Judaism and spirituality. And um, in my opinion, it is a form of spiritual abuse. I, I think that yeah. there is a lot of spiritual abuse in the Zionist project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I look at a, what a lot of the community is seeing or reposting, um, it's a lot of propaganda and you not all Jewish communities are super Zionist but in yeah. Australia we have a particularly Zionist Jewish community mm. for I think a whole you know a range of different reasons but the kinds of I mean, yeah, we even look at our mainstream media and you see how skewed that is Mm. and that's just for everyone, let alone Mm. the kind of targeted propaganda that Jewish communities receive that are designed literally to weaponise their trauma and their triggers Mm. (laughs) and their, you know, history to weaponise them against Palestinian people. So, yeah, the propaganda goes pretty deep. Yeah, I I want to ask, as an educator yourself... Mm. uh, I, is there um, what is the best way to to um, raise awareness about what's happening um, in occupied Palestine and in Palestine to to Jewish people here? Is there anything that is being done, or or is there any plans for this? Yeah, because uh, I can see how yeah hard to come out of your own community and know the truth when it's been indoctrin- indoctrinated since you were a kid that this is this is what it is you yeah. Know? yeah yeah well I mean from an educational context I think the biggest thing is that now is really not the time to educate Jewish people like mm. people learn when they are 
feeling calm and safe and understood and, you know, in connection with other people, that those are the conditions that people learn in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, no one in the Jewish community feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's And that's not to say that there are not Jewish people who are not actively right now unlearning their Zionism. There are. And... Uh, I'm so glad that that's happening and part of that is, uh, you know, Palestinian people speaking out and organising for as long as they have. Part of it is more Jewish anti-Zionist people publicly Mm. speaking out and providing a space for those people who are questioning to be able to to come to and and we have been holding those spaces. I mean, Loud Jew Collective, uh, which is an anti-Zionist Jewish collective, have been organising a lot of events and spaces for people and have been for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been holding particular p- spaces in community just for anti-Zionist Jews to come together and grieve and process and kind of start or wherever they are on that journey of unlearning. Um, but what I think is frustrating is that outside of the moments of escalation of violence by Israel, uh, people let go of these conversations. And actually, those are the times that are most meaningful for learning, like the the time in between violent Mm. escalations when Jewish people are not triggered out of their minds like that is not the time to be educating people and I definitely feel some frustration about how um you know these conversations get shut down at all other moments really but then at times when there is the escalation of violence it's suddenly not the time it kind of feels like there's no time to talk um but I do think that this work in the Jewish community is unfortunately slow work and uh, it's work that has to happen outside of these acute moments of activation. But the good news is is that I don't actually think we need to convince Jewish people. That's not who I am uh, aiming my, uh, you know, conversations at or that's not who I'm trying to bring along on this journey because the Jewish community in Australia is tiny. Like we actually barely have the people power to up, you know, to uphold or influence politicians. Uh, I think that the people power beyond the Jewish community, the people who have no idea, who have no skin in the game, who have no attachment to to the region or this issue, they're the ones that we really need to be convincing at this time because they're the ones who are calm and regulated enough to be able to process that information. Right now for Zionist Jews, you can say anything and they will they twist and misconstrue it into something that you're not even saying. And some people are doing that as a tool of propaganda and there there literally is a playbook, a written book of like how to talk about Zionism to support the Israeli regime. And wow. it is like it is clear that that toolkit is used by many people, whether they have actually seen that toolkit and playbook or not. Um, so I think there is obviously a very dominant... Um, you know, Zionist conversation that is happening there. Um, But, yeah, I think the conversations that we need to be having really are outside of the community because I also think that some people are responding in those ways because they're genuinely triggered and because they genuinely don't have the ability to see beyond their intergenerational trauma right now, uh, which is, you know, exactly what 
these imperialist powers rely on in this mm. context. So, mm. yeah, I think that there is unlearning that can happen, there is healing that can happen, but I don't believe that Palestinian people should be on the time frame of Jewish healing uh, in the same way that we see reconciliation in so-called Australia kind of falling flat. We try and take occupiers, oppressors, colonisers on this journey, but that ultimately only benefits the people who are in a position of power, not the most marginalised people. And we need to see change and action happening far quicker than the pace of healing in the Jewish community. Mm. Yeah, wow. Well, I guess let's have a quick music break and then I wanted to ask a bit, we'll talk a bit about a specific action that... Mm -hmm. Uh, the Jewish community in Australia did mm -hmm. with anti-Zionist one. So mm. um, I thought we can play the band Der Yassin. It's another cross-punk anti-Zionist band um, from people born in so-called Israel. Uh, so yeah, I thought we can play a few of their songs. <laughs> and of course, Der Yassin, they're, they're named after the ground zero of um, the Nakba. Where the massacre. The, yeah, the yeah. town of Der Yassin was... We just opened bullets, uh, like showered them on everyone to, yeah. to ethnically cleanse. So yeah, um, in case you didn't know. So this is Dariasin and a series of songs from their discography. <laughs>
Uh, that was a series of songs from cross-punk band Der Yassin, uh, um, a band that was um, from Jews born in so-called Israel, but uh, due, to their anti due to their anti-Zionism, they're now abandoned exile in the US, I believe, or in Germany, actually. Um, so yeah, that's um, Der Yassin. It's definitely an interesting... Um, band and it's good to know of these kind of um these actions and but there is a even if it's tiny uh, <laughs> um there are anti-zionists uh within so-called israel who many cases have to leave so-called israel and yeah anyway um <laughs> uh we are joined today by elsa twetz rosenberg uh anti-zionist jewish um person <laughs> <laughs> The fact that we laugh every time we say person now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> person of color, person yeah. of anti-Zionism. That's a person of anti-Zionism, exactly. <laughs> um, but before the break, we were talking kind of about... Um, what were we talking about? Um, I think we want to talk about uh, the act. The act. Well, yeah, we mm. want to yeah. yeah talk about kind of like action, Jewish action, um, Jewish anti-Zionist action, um, and the amazing work you guys did uh, last week. Oh, sorry, this yeah. week. Yeah. On, this week. Yeah, I guess it was only a few days ago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was a Jewish-led uh, action at uh, Richard Marles, which is the ALP Defence Minister's office, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, it was called to bring attention to the ALP's support for the genocide of Palestinians, mm -hmm. uh, the military, economic, diplomatic support that the ALP have been showing uh, for Israel and therefore the genocide of Palestinians. Uh, so, yeah, we called the action to bring attention to that, to also uh, demonstrate that Judaism and Zionism are not the same thing and yeah. that there are Jewish people calling for an end to the genocide, an end to the occupation, uh, an end to our grief and trauma being used as a weapon against Palestinians and uh, to join the Palestinian call for liberation and a free Palestine. Mm. Yeah, so you guys went to a prominent labor politician's place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what happened then? Yeah, so uh, we we basically um, got into the office and uh, a group of people locked on mm -hmm. to um, a couple of different apparatuses and we we sat and sang um, we sang Jewish resistance mm. songs uh, and we came with with banners, big group of people, and we just did a sit-in. We just sat yeah. and we sang. Uh, then they called a lot of cops, mm -hmm. including, like, riot cops. Wow. Um, that, that means you, you really... <laughs> we really pissed them off. Yeah, that, that's like an achievement. <laughs> yeah, thank like. you so much. <laughs> yeah, and look, the white privilege was really showing because mm. we all left totally unscathed, mm -hmm. uninjured, uh, and yeah, I think the, I think police are not, uh, so equipped to know what to do with people who are singing as well, okay. um, rather than like chanting or mm. yelling, not to say there's any issue with those responses mm. either, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was really interesting to see their reaction. And we did eventually get forcibly removed from mm. the office, despite, really no one being impacted by yeah. us being there. Um, 
but yeah, they they dragged us out. There was a lot of media coverage, which was awesome, uh, and I think that we you know, successfully made a splash in demonstrating that there are Jews that are opposed to this and mm. and hopefully to also start getting some members of the ALP questioning where their leadership, you know, is what their leadership is advocating for and what yeah. they're allowing because I know that there are pre- plenty of left leftist factions of the ALP, mm. people who probably don't think that genocide is okay, uh, who, you know, are watching their leaders in real time materially uh, support that mm. genocide. So I hope that it comes with a bit of a reckoning internally uh, to pressure politicians to change their their stance. Yeah. Well, there's that really grim for, um, video of uh, Albanese, the current prime minister, mm. talking at a Palestine rally, like in mm. the 90s, I think. Yep. So Yeah, there's even clips of him speaking in parliament as yeah. well. I think there's some stuff from 2014. I feel like I even saw some stuff wow. from 2002. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, um, it's a key of... Um, well, you got a lot of, like, media attention on this one too. Like, I saw yeah. quite a lot of... Sky News. Yeah. Reporting. Well, Sky News. That'd be fun. Sky News. <laughs> yeah. Wow. To be honest, I mean, Sky, first Sky News tweeted about the action and mm. they attached a photo of um, Palestinian resistance fighters to the tweet, which I think like is in pretty Palestine. funny. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They. Um, yeah, it showed it looked like a press conference of mm. like maybe Hamas leaders speaking in a mic or something. God. So they used that photo uh, in conjunction with their, you know, demonstrators have, you know, occupied the office of mm. Richard Ma, blah, 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 um, which, you know, it just speaks to the absolute garbage that is the media reporting mm. of uh, these actions and of the occupation of Palestine in general. Uh, but they actually wrote us a write-up afterwards that was quite good, okay. um, which by quite good, I think, Lost. I mean, they were, uh, yeah, the bar <laughs> is low. They were unable to obscure any mm. of our demands or uh, that I think they just spoke honestly to what we actually did. And probably for okay. a lot of Sky News readers, that's a, you know, parody enough is mm. to just know what we were actually there for yeah. um and so maybe they didn't need to kind of camp it up for mm. their readers but i'm uh, still pretty stoked with the amount of media coverage it yeah. got mm. i mean do you feel that maybe not sky but uh other presses uh try to kind of obscure the, yeah like kind of um I mean, through that it was a Jewish action. Yeah, there were definitely a couple of outlets that omitted the fact that Mm. we were Jewish, which I think is pretty deliberate. You know, that serves Mm. the Israeli regime. Um, But I think generally most of them actually did report. I mean, I saw in headlines anti-Zionist Jewish activists, blah, 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 which is something that I have never seen represented (laughs) on mainstream media ever. Just the idea that anti-Zionist Jewish communities exist at all is not something that I see represented. Mm. And and the fact that that many, uh, you know, media outlets covered it, I think also shows what public opinion is, Mm. that they are – they 
are finding it's more advantageous for them to actually start giving a platform and voice and coverage to these actions because that's actually representative of what people are believing at yeah. this point and what they are, what the people are wanting. And we can mm. see that on the streets as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a weird reality where now in 2023, Pierce Morgan is one of the biggest platforms <laughs> for people to be introduced to actual Palestinian speakers mm. and activists um, mm. because, yeah, it's so strange that his platform has become one of the, the, the most viral um, sources for, yeah. for people to look at this. I mean, I think I, w- so. I was actually watching some, I think it was Lebanese news mm. reporting the other day mm. and it was such a breath of fresh air, to be honest, to be... Yeah to hear reporting happening where they refer to the occupation and the regime as as an occupation as a regime and they say mm. it so casually as well. It's not like, you know, no one dances around it. It's like everyone is aware of the last 75 years occupation and, like, the impact that that's had on Palestinians and no one's trying to gaslight anyone mm. else out of that knowledge and it was really amazing how calm I felt watching those reports compared to the Western media which is like, do you condemn Hamas at like every second sentence and someone's always arguing and gaslighting Palestinians who have just lost, you know, huge lineages and their land and their history and that, you know, just that kind of white violence, Mm. you know, is, is not in those Uh, media reportings nearly as much as it is our mainstream media and it was such a relief so if people want less biased reporting I would also be advocating to listen to international news of non-colonial nations because it's completely different yeah Yeah. we definitely like our media is going down the hill like it's already been we definitely need to um, think outside the box to get more factual information and not just listen to British or American news <laughs> or Australian news. Yeah. Um, well, I, know I like think if list- you speak Arabic, it's you, there's a lot more information out there. There's a lot of documentaries and stuff. Unfortunately, there's not enough in English, but you could probably find trans- translation for those. This, well, like Al Jazeera has a good network. Mm-hmm. Al Jazeera has really good one. stuff, but I, I'm, you know, it's only one that has english uh yeah, there's, there's um, a few with um like an arabic station with english news so yeah. i um, hope there's more there's a few like um that, that i've been looking up i think on instagram there is uh middle east there's middle east network middle um, east i sorry yeah um middle east they're, I. they're very mm. good i actually i personally i do prefer them to al jazeera even though they don't have as much network they're much more Sometimes I feel Al Jazeera tries to LARP as a Western media, but Middle East Eye is just unapologetic. Mm. There's also um, Mondo, Mondo Oasis. Mondo Oasis, yeah, Mondo yeah. Mondo yeah. Oasis. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, uh, there's a few others. Um, I know it's a sad reality, but uh, I was talking to some... Um, to some people there's 3CR oh 3CR of course yeah tune in (laughs) um um but sadly one of the um, uh Haritz Daily which is a left-wing newspaper in so-called Israel Mm. sadly because they are Israeli they have the resources Mm. so they 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 have the resources they have electricity in Gaza Mm. 
Mm. Um, so sometimes there's, checking them out with a huge grain of salt is. There's been some interesting articles on how it's. I don't. Mm. I need to subscribe to open them, but I've oh, seen like paywalls. retweets <laughs> or reposts on mm. Insta, and they've been really interesting in in you know showing a bit of a different point of view of <laughs> of of um, so-called Israelis. Like mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, it's an interesting newspaper. I would I would want to check it out. Oh, I it's guess. definitely yeah. worth checking out. Just. Yeah. Um, yeah, just be aware of why they have that extra um, that extra uh, access to the yeah. region. Um, but there's a famous journalist. I forgot her name. Uh, it begins with a, I remember it's an S. Uh, quickly looking it up. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> um, oh, what was their name? Um, oh God, I, I can't find it. But there, there was a very prominent. Um, anti-zionist and born in israel um mm. so-called mm. israel but speaking about um, like knowing more about um mm. palestine i thought i'd use this opportunity to um announce a really cool documentary series in solidarity with palestine organized by sofia sabar and it's at black spark cultural center 235a st george's road northcote and uh, it's like happening every Thursday for three Thursday. Last Thursday there was one, and this Thursday um, there's one on Gaza, and then the following Thursday there'll be one to be announced. So these are really good um, documentary to watch if you want to learn more to go mm -hmm. and attend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually spoke yeah. at the first one last week. And oh, yeah? It was very cozy and there was food. and Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. How was it? The yeah, I didn't stay for the doco. Mm. I've seen the doco before. Mm. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, I think, I think what it reminded me of is how little people know about mm. any of our experiences, to be honest. Like, mm. I think, I mean, it's a really great opportunity for um, people who are just learning the 101. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know, in my head, when I think of the 101, I'm like the 101 of the history of Palestine. Mm. Um, but what I forget is that sometimes 101 actually means the 101 of racism or mm. the 101 of colonization. Mm -hmm. And for many of us who also haven't like had the opportunity uh, to really reckon with our positionality as settlers on this land and what that actually means what it means to decolonize and um demonstrate solidarity and and to really grieve all the things that we have lost or through colonization mm -hmm. um that that is such a big emotional journey that i am still on and have been on for yeah. many years but that really contextualizes also what's happening in in Palestine because mm. if you know you haven't really thought about your positionality here no. and, and really a lot of my uh, understanding and position on in Palestinian solidarity is to the credit not only of Palestinian organizers but mm. of First Nations organizers mm. and educators here who have helped me understand the role of colonization on this land and my role as a settler in that mm. as well um, but for many people as we saw you know as a product of the referendum as we <laughs> see as a product of the you know the inaction on the many royal commissions that have been done in support of First Nations justice here is that many people on this land are not willing to reckon with their uh, their role in colonisation here mm. either. And that 
is a really big first step, I think, for people yeah. to be understanding what's happening in Palestine as well. 100%. Like, I feel we need to also... Yeah, I think to, to start anything, you need to start within. So mm. focusing on local issues here is very, very important. Uh, it's very important to yeah understand that this is also a colony and that sovereignty hasn't been ceded and try to learn as much here as you can from indigenous speakers um and friends so yeah that's one thing um with um the interview mohib gave with hong kongology so um mm. kind of our friends show uh on 3cr listen on thursday 6 to 7 p.m but um, <laughs> we had um we had mohib coming on yeah, and nice. who's uh, a palestinian activist yeah palestinian activist yeah he film was, writer and <laughs> he has a long yeah. list yeah <laughs> <laughs> or person <laughs> prominent person um, but um he um what did he do uh he was and he was introducing the idea of the show was to introduce uh the the the, the situation in Palestine mm. to Hong Kongers who mm. aren't familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was really beautiful, him saying, was how how much, uh, you know, black, with just a K, mm. um, people in Australia have always been the first people to mm. come to um, Palestinian solidarity events. And they've been going since way before it was 100,000 people. So oh, yeah. And it's, you know, I can't help but feel as well this kind of frustration when you say that too because the Jewish community also looks to First Nations people in their solidarity with us during the Holocaust mm. as well. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly people are willing to abandon that solidarity. Mm. And, you know, I've I've seen Zionists, you know, commenting on Instagram when they weren't happy with things that were like part of the Black Palestinian solidarity action mm. or whatever, them being like, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm really regretting voting yes now, you know, wow. and it's incredible how, what? like, what? how quickly that solidarity is let go of and the kinds of, I mean, it really points as well to the reality that many First Nations people pointed out, which is that just because you're voting yes doesn't mean you're inherently anti-racist. You know, okay. voting yes is not an inherently anti-racist stance and that there is a huge amount of racism that existed even among communities who were voting yes. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. A lot of, um, yeah, it was almost like this weird racial dynamic when people were, some people I heard talking about the yes referendum, it sounded like um, a messiah coming in to like the yeah, idea true. that we vote yes and everything is fixed racism oh, RIP. Totally. Um, without having to do anything else materially or you know that would actually support that exactly and, and that yeah that was kind of like pretty surreal hearing yeah um because it was just obviously so far removed and, yeah uh anyway <laughs> i also love that muhib was on a like on the show that was targeted towards, you know, people in Hong Kong as Mm. well because I also have been thinking about, like, my other ancestry, Mm. my Chinese ancestry Mm. and, my you know, my family is from Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And, you know, what it... I haven't really gone on the journey of understanding what it means meant to be under British occupation mm. in Hong Kong or, you know, even it's something that I feel too when we talk about the Holocaust because Chinese people also experienced incredible violence during the Holocaust um, that mm. is not talked about really yeah. and that, you know, has not become the 
justification for a colonial nation state mm. uh, but that you know there's yeah I'm just interested in that because it's something I've been thinking about yeah mm. I should send it to you but definitely I mean I can speak to this as um with Iran also mm. there's a case where right now the oppressor um, in Iran is the Islamic Republic who do align themselves with um, Palestine and on the other hand China kind of says they support Palestine. Mm. And one point that Mohib was saying was that this is complete BS. Like, mm. um, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, well, like, Hong Kongers um, shouldn't support Israel just because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Because mm. China's Palestinian um, solidarity is just complete fluff. Like, yeah. And, you know, death to the oppressor. Like, People, people from abreast um, uh, communities should stand together despite the politics upstairs mm. because those are always shifting and those are very, um, mm. yeah, they're integrated. So um, it, it, there was, you know, there is a presence of, um, and Iranians too, like Iranians, um, you know, who are refugees running away from Iran um, and they're supporting Israel, not because they understand the situation, but because they just say, oh, Islamic Republic doesn't like Israel, therefore mm. I like Israel, which is... And that's a problem as well yeah. with so many of our communities and the the people broadly mm. being so marginalised, so traumatised, and yeah. then naturally we become fractured and mm. we get into factions and, you know, we end up all pitted against each other which ultimately yeah benefits the people in power which yeah. often is those politicians you know yeah. they're in the pockets of lobbyists and people with power and people with a lot of money and uh, half of them get appointed by virtue of that corruption mm. um, and don't actually represent us as people at all but they are so good at pitting our communities against exactly. each other and that's why we need to join up that's the, yeah like um that's why I have to send it to you, but the, the Hong Kongology episode, it was really mm. um, hopefully brought in some Hong Kongers to, to the yeah, situation. Yeah, I'm keen to listen. Because, mm. yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I mean, that's why the media is so important, knowing the media, mm. because I know a lot of people from outside the, you know, Middle East area or, and, like, non-Muslims um, just, in like, get some, um, you know, they get kind of secondhand news um from and it's originally from the west so it's kind of like you know imagine the washington post regurgitated in, in the philippines uh, yeah right and, interesting uh places like that so yeah um yeah that's why yeah the media is so important <laughs> anyway mm. um should we play we have about 15 more minutes uh should we play a song yeah um i'll just try to find one i've got whilst you think of more <laughs> I've got one last um, anti-Zionist <laughs> band from so-called Israel. Um, uh, the an all-female, yeah. Well, let's play. It. So they're called Deaf Chonky, which is um, d- from what I understand, it's like a play on words from Yiddish. So um, true. And yeah, it's spelled deaf as in I can't hear. Right. And. Um, they are an old well they describe themselves as a jewish russian band so you can see where they how they prefer being identified um kind of a riot girl feminist 
punk bands. Mm. So uh, they have one album, um, one song, sorry, called Silence is Violence, which uh, the lyrics towards the end I thought were really great. Talking about, um, uh, yeah, Zionist violence. Cool. <laughs> so I thought, so this is Deaf Chonky, Silence is Violence. So that song was um, Deaf Chonky, um, Silence is Violence, uh, with, um, yeah, kind of like mixing Russian folk with punk, which I thought was a really cool mix. And of course, yeah, 
the the song theme is in the title silence is violence i think mm. a lot of the time in um well for all sorts of actions but especially now mm. um yeah, yeah. We, we were just discussing before how like those going to those protests speaking up is actually healing for a lot of people a lot of friends are afraid of you know talking about it or uh, feeling a bit inactive and powerless and help helpless mm. but actually just going through those protests doing some sort of activism like talking about it to mm. others is very it's a very healing process and yeah. we're learning a lot from those protests as well yeah. totally and gives you an opportunity to feel your feelings as well like mm. i think when you're seeing the horrors that are being inflicted upon palestinians like it's uh one of our natural coping mechanisms mm. is to just num numb ourselves out from that and mm. dissociate and avoid it and try not to think about it. Mm. Um, and that can prompt inaction and mm. silence. Um, but something I've yeah loved about coming to so many of the solidarity actions with Palestinians is that you actually get a chance to metabolize all those feelings. You get to feel and chant and yell out your anger you get to you know listen and grieve in connection with other people you get to mobilize which makes you feel less helpless and you see how yeah. many other people there there are and that gives you hope and mm. all those things are so important for any living creature you know like mm. we it's our job to move through all those feelings mm. that's really what our bodies are for mm. um and they beings. totally yeah, like, mm. and it reminds you that you're part of something bigger and that change is possible and to get to be a part of that too is healing for me mm. at least as someone who has this intergenerational trauma mm. and this violence oppression wound as mm. well to yeah. be accountable to that yeah it's it's really really good feeling um to go to those protests and yeah, feeling that you have some sort of power and you do just by going. Mm. Like Yeah, disruption. Disrupting yeah. disrupting the the inner city even for a few hours. And there are so many ways to take action as well. Like mm. if getting down to a protest isn't accessible to you, you know, yeah. if it's like can't be around big crowds, if mm. you know, you it doesn't feel comfortable or safe that there are so many other ways to mobilize as well. Oh, you know, 100%. calling your MPs, emailing, um, postering, you know, mm. there's uh getting involved in the like admin or organizing part of actions and yeah. resourcing people mutual aid for people in our communities who are organizing or going through such a hard time yeah. so that they can take some days off work and actually mm. recover so that they can continue mobilizing mm. like there are so many ways to contribute even supporting those who do like supporting mm. those people who like helping them make banners for example that's oh, banner painting really big... nice to something really nice to do mm. and you know you're surrounded by people who feel the same and mm. there's really small things as long like you can think of and i think support is really important if you're unable to actually do those actions mm. and then even passively i think like boycotting mm. um, boycotting um, yes. uh, is is a huge thing that israel is very self-aware about but there is the bds movement and i feel it's expanding like people mm. um people are are becoming more aware and inclined mm -hmm. um, of the companies, not the ones that literally have like factories in in the Gaza Strip, like, or in the West Bank. Sorry, like um, SodaStream, but the yeah. fact that McDonald's, that um, who else, Puma, Starbucks, Starbucks, yeah, oh, Starbucks is a famous one. Coca Cola. One. They yeah. have mm -hmm. they have 
huge links with um, Nestle. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a targeted boycott in Australia as well. Mm. So if you look up BDS Australia, you can see because there are so many companies that actually support the Israeli lot. regime yeah. and you can't avoid all of them. And oh. if we spread out that boycott to all of them, it's nowhere near as impactful as when we target a few. Yeah, so BDS Australia has like that targeted boycott and they have a list of mm. companies that does mm. include SodaStream, HP, yeah. Puma, some others mm. that, you know, a part of the targeted boycotts. So that's mm. a really great way you can support and was a, a big part of ending apartheid South Africa as well. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's precedent. It works. It, it is. This war is about economics. Like mm. it's, economics plays a big part in this war. And so but, uh, boycotting is another way to over, you know. Yeah. Uh, and just telling your friend, like if, if one of your friends says, oh, hey, let's get a drink at Starbucks. You're like, no, I don't want to drink there. Because, yeah. Um, I remember when I did this as a to, to, to think about it a bit more like those those places like they really present capitalism and like you know a cafe should be a cafe owned by a family where you go and mm. profit directly that family opposed mm. to a big institute that have no soul to them yeah. like big factories of burgers and junk food and you know fancy coffee that are not fancy they're just like I don't know disgusting yeah. um yeah, it's. I never saw like, oh, I'm gonna go to um, Starbucks and have fun with my friends and <laughs> like, nah, like this is. <laughs> I think it was a bit yeah. of when I was growing up, like in in Switzerland, people would always want to go to Starbucks just because it's cool. Yeah, because like, the Americans do it because you kind saw it of, on yeah. America. I feel like I lost yeah. friends by being so like because Anti-Starbucks. my family like just like there was this. Um, yeah, they really just hated Starbucks. Mm. Um, for, I don't know why, but within a lot of circles, like uh, Starbucks was seen as the number one supporter of Israel. Mm. I don't know if that is literally true, but... Um. Well, I did hear the other day a friend of mine who's Palestinian said, like, Starbucks. Mm-hmm. It's like star, like the star of David for oh. Israel and bucks, like money. <laughs> but I don't actually know if that's true <laughs> or that's know, something that they came up with. Going, I was like, wow. Well, like, you, know, you, know, you know the woman on the Starbucks logo? Uh, yeah. Queen Esther. Uh, she's a Jewish Iranian princess. No oh. way. Yeah, it's crazy. That is random. Um, you can also do anti-boycott. This is the other thing. So there's there's a boycott, but then you can also actively, as you were saying, supporting small businesses, yeah. particularly those that are uh, speaking out about yeah, Palestine, exactly. like to actually support yeah. them. Like I think Burgatory is Palestinian run, apparently, oh, and... Um, have already been voiced in like the Zionist Jewish community as like everyone boycott these. So we should be doing the opposite of that yeah. too and like actively supporting Palestinian run. When you have that burger, when you want burgers, don't go to McDonald's. Go no, to, go yeah. to Burgatory. Well, um, there's another one. Al Janna is really good, apparently. Mm. I've never been, but they have fried chicken if you're missing mm. KFC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and but, yeah. of course, I guess um, there's a lot of Palestinian restaurants here. Yeah. Do not fall for the trap of going to Israeli, Israeli. or yeah. sometimes they call themselves Middle Eastern restaurants. Yeah. Like no no Lebanese restaurant I know would call themselves Middle Eastern restaurant, just Lebanese yeah, restaurant. Totally. Like the Israelis are trying to hide <laughs> the fact that they are Israeli. Yeah. Um, and appropriate, mm. you know, food from that region and make a profit exactly. off it. So definitely um 
when you have the urge to have some hummus and falafel. Yeah. <laughs> um, make hummus sure. is an Arabic word, by the way, which, you know. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, proves it's Arabic. Oh, don't <laughs> no worry. Right. Right. No like, I got the receipts. <laughs> hummus means chickpea in Arabic. I don't think yeah. any listener of Salam is thinking, oh. <laughs> no, I, I, like, I don't know this. Turkish that claim it or Greek it's, well, that's like, the only one I'm prepared to that, that is cute I mean <laughs> if it's like Turks fighting for it that's cute but <laughs> like when it's Israelis invading a place mm. and then claiming the local food as their own running out of time yeah that's yeah. right anyway <laughs> um, god I feel we could go on for four hours then. probably <laughs> um, but yeah so we're running out of time so I guess um Thank you so much, Elsa, for coming. It's Thanks, been, Elsa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. been so Great nice catching chat. up. Like, yeah. like we should this is... catch up on air more often. Yeah, well, <laughs> off air. <laughs> Doesn't have to be off on air. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's so great um, hearing about like kind of um, Jewish anti-Zionist action because I feel yeah, you guys have a unique relationship with Zionism, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and yeah, seeing Palestinian Jewish um, solidarity is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There is a lot of healing, I think, for myself and many others in the community mm. when we get to reach that point and actually fight for justice together for all mm. of our peoples. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. On yeah. that note, we'll see you next Sunday. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone who's tuned in and see you next Sunday. <laughs>